My name is Mac, and welcome back to Master of a Few, the podcast where the curious mind meets too much time. How are we all doing today? Good? Great? Brilliant. Well, I'm back. Week two. Um, I'm actually doing it. I'm proud of myself. Um, so let's get right into it, because it's, I mean, it's only been a week, so I don't really have big life changes or anything. So, um, although we are, we are almost to next week, we'll be two years on testosterone, which is craziness, which means there'll be a second uh, Captain America shield made out of testosterone bottles joining my wall in two weeks. Uh, So that's very cool. Um, Anyway, um, maybe that's what I'll do then, is I'll do a segment on testosterone and transition thoughts and stuff. But that's not today. Today is a continuation from last week. Um, where I said that I was going to start talking about my um, experiences with reparative therapy, my story regarding that, talking about the gospel, talking about trans readings, all of that good stuff. But I realized, as I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to do today, I realized that last time I told my story, I left some stuff out. And part of it was because I was like, well, no one really cares anyway, but it seems like people might actually care to listen to that part of my story. Um, And then also because I am not proud of who I was before I came out. Um, I did and said a lot of things that were hurtful to people and harmful, and I participated in a lot of the systems that hurt me and other people, and I'm really not proud of that. But then I reminded myself that for a lot of that, I was a literal child. (laughs) So I have to give myself a little bit of grace. Um, And even for the things that I am absolutely responsible for my own actions in, just because I'm not proud of them doesn't mean that that's not part of my story that still needs to be told. Because it makes a difference. So... I'm going to start as close to the beginning as I can. If you've heard this before and you don't want to hear it again, I don't blame you. I'll hopefully you'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, But if you want to hear it again, or if you're hearing this for the first time, I will start as close to the beginning as I can. Though, it's kind of hard to do because I don't actually know when the first time I learned what gay meant was. I don't know when that happened. I know I didn't Google it. Um, I would have been too scared, I think, to Google it. Though, honestly, I don't know if that's true because I don't I don't remember when I learned what it was. Um, I remember being in church one day. I was probably middle school, probably, and I asked whatever happened to my cubbies teacher which if you don't know what cubbies is it's it's a wanna um approved workmen are not ashamed it's it's i had a lot of fun with it as a kid i really really enjoyed it but now as i look back and i think about it i realize that it was pretty problematic in a lot of ways um like really fun to be a part of but also pretty problematic um but my Cubbies teacher in Cubbies was like preschool age. Um, I never knew what happened to him. He stopped coming to our church and I never saw him again and I was kind of confused. So I don't even remember how it came up. 
But I asked whatever happened to my Cubby's teacher, and they thought about it, and it was my mom and another lady from my parents' church, and they thought about it, and they were like, hmm, well, I think he left because he, and then they whispered, became gay. And I thought about that, and I was like, weird, okay. So that's not, so that's a bad thing. But, like, I hadn't really thought about it much. And I don't even remember anybody walking me through the clobber verses for the first time to, like, explain to me biblically why it was wrong. I don't remember anyone ever doing that. What I, because I had read the Bible front to back multiple times. Um, and knowing that being gay or thinking that I knew that being gay was wrong... I was like, ah, these are the verses. I understand now. Um, and I didn't question that for a really long time. Um, but I, for some reason, felt really drawn to the queer community. That's not what I would have called them at the time. I hardcore subscribed to the they're struggling with same-sex attraction um, rhetoric. But I knew that I was drawn to them for some reason, and because I couldn't figure out what that meant, I decided that that was my calling in ministry. I knew that I wanted to work with kids with disabilities, and then my other side of my calling was I was going to minister to people who wanted to leave the homosexual lifestyle. Um, and I remember I told somebody, the same person who actually told me about my Cubby's teacher, I told her one day that that's what I wanted to do in ministry, and she said, wow, that's going to be a really tough ministry. I couldn't even imagine it just because I just think it's so disgusting. Like, I can't even imagine wanting to kiss another girl. And that was a little bit of a preview moment because I couldn't figure out why. And I said, well... I imagine it, it's probably the same way that, like, someone like you would want to kiss a boy. I assume it's the same feeling. And she said, yeah, I don't know about that. It just seems so weird. That's going to be a really tough ministry. And that rubbed me the wrong way, and I didn't really know what to think about it or what to feel about it. I felt that, like, well, these people probably need compassion, and I had started to feel like maybe that was going on a little bit with me. Maybe a little bit. I knew that I had formed um, some really, really intense friendships with girls before, or at least intense on my end, that never seemed to be reciprocated quite to the same level. And that always bothered me a lot, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, but I also was like, pursuing a first boyfriend at that time and had been determined to date this person for dec like a decade and a half at this point of my life, um, or like a decade. So I was like, well, it's, thank God it's not me, and sort of moved on, and I was not even quiet about it, and this is the part that I'm really, really, really not proud of. But I was not just quietly unaffirming. I was not just quietly working my way through these things. I was loud, and I was vocal, and I was quite the little evangelist, and at school, I would 
basically preach to people about how it is wrong to be gay. And I remember sitting at my lunch table, this was like freshman year of co- not college, of high school, sitting in the cafeteria talking to my friends, and somehow homosexuality came up, and they knew I was really religious, and they said, well, like, how do you believe, why do you believe that it's wrong? And I pulled out my Bible, and I showed them the clobber verses, and one or two of the guys I was talking to were like, well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But I know for a fact, because I remember seeing him and thinking it, that there was a kid behind me at another table that I was like 99.9% sure was gay. And I am also pretty, pretty dang sure that he heard me. And I'm really ashamed of the fact that that, if he did hear me, probably hurt a lot. And that's something that I have to live with because I believed it all hook, line, and sinker and preached it. And that's on me. But after that, I had sort of um, decided to be a little bit more quiet about my ministry intentions because I noticed that it was sort of changing um, how people looked at me. And I was uncomfortable with that because... By the time I went into my junior year of high school, um, I wasn't super sure anymore. But like I said, I was pursuing a first boyfriend, waiting until I could date, and thought that that was going to solve all my problems. So, uh, enter junior junior year of high school, and I start dating um, this guy, and neither of us had ever dated before. (laughs) Neither of us were very good at it. Um, and I don't think it is either of our faults, but it was not a very healthy situation. Um, and unfortunately for him, I also, um, really realized during my junior year that I did in fact like girls through an unfortunate series of circumstances where I wrote a poem and thought, wow, what a nice friend poem. And then a friend said, ooh, no, not friend poem. And I, I'm trying to be, if I sound like I'm waffling, it's because I'm trying to protect identities. Um, because it's not their fault that they're in my story. Um, and I didn't know what to do with that information. And I panicked because I was dating someone. I was dating a guy. At this point, and also I had known my entire life that being gay was wrong, and I had been told that, and I had been saying that I was going to help these people leave that lifestyle, so like how could it be me, and I was panicking. And I entered the darkest period of depression that I have ever entered during my junior year. I couldn't, I slept probably two hours a night every night I was self-harming at the time um and very very few people I don't think anybody knew about that I told no one um and I remember many many nights praying legit praying that I wouldn't have to wake up in the morning because I knew that I would never 
actually decide to like put together a plan and actually take my life but I also knew that I didn't want to be here anymore that I was just so tired and sad and scared and I didn't know what to do and so I actively prayed most nights that I wouldn't have to wake up in the morning because I didn't know what to do (laughs) And that was the first part of my junior year of high school. And then for the second half of junior year, I think it was junior year, it's unclear, um, I decided to break up with the guy that I was dating and I tried, tried my best to make him understand that it wasn't his fault, but like I wasn't happy and I was also trying to be as vague as possible. And um, I was starting to confide in one of my friends about my feelings and trying to figure out what it all meant. And she, God bless her, is super affirming and has been very kind. Um, And she was so, so, so helpful. But I was still, but she didn't have any answers for me faith-wise. And I was still freaking out about that. And so I started a deep dive. Um, So for three months, I read the Bible cover to cover, and I said, I have to, I have to figure this out. I have to. So I decided that I was going to throw out everything doctrinally that I believed, throwing it all out with the exception of five things that were like core beliefs that I wasn't going to get rid of. And they were that the Bible is the word of God, that God exists in the Trinity. So like creator, redeemer, sustainer. Um, I'm saved by grace through faith alone. And my job on earth is to love God and love others. Those were my five. And from there, I decided that I was just going to read the Bible and see what I found. Because if I knew that God loved me completely and I knew that I was supposed to love God and I was supposed to love others then anything that made it so that I was not loving God and I was not loving others that was sin that was wrong and if God is love then anything that doesn't jive with the idea that God is love can't be true and I started reading And I remember I got to, this is all happening my senior year of high school. Um, I'm a total wreck. Um, And I am also trying to find a college, and I don't know what I want to do, and I'm panicking. And I knew I wanted to do special education, and I wanted to go to to school on the eastern side of the United States because I wanted to live on the western side. Um, That worked out. Um, And I didn't know what to do, so... I was trying to figure out all of these things at once, and I was reading through, and I got to Romans, and starting off Romans when you're trying to figure out if it's okay to be gay is rough, because you get the whole diatribe of Romans 1, which, if people are interested in me talking about the clobber verses, I will, Um, but for now, long story short, it's not about homosexuality, it's about idolatry, but I digress. Um, 
I got to Romans, I always mess it up. I think it's 10, 13, I, not 13, 10. I always mess it up. It's one or the other. Um, I'll look it up later. I don't have my Bibles in the other room. But it says that love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And that hit me. <laughs> As we say in the fundamentalist church, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and it felt like love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, seemed a lot like people who were telling me that who I was was sinful and my telling people that who they are is sinful doesn't seem very loving. That seems wrong. And so at this point I was starting to feel just like the slightest bit of hope. But I also had still never said anything out loud, had not even acknowledged that I liked girls completely, hadn't even acknowledged that, and decided to go off to Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. My thinking was, is that I knew that I liked this girl, but surely, if I moved four hours away, that would go away. And I had never even told her, so my thinking was, I'll move, um, that will solve everything, and voila. So, silly me. <laughs> silly me. So I go off to college um, following a mission trip where I was really, really struggling to find out where I belonged because I no longer really felt like I belonged in my parents' church and in that youth department because no one really knew me. Um, I had been keeping such big secrets, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do, and um, and I wasn't I wasn't ready yet to deal with any of that fallout. So I went off to college. So that is the beginning part of my story. Um, I was not by any means affirming by the time I got to college. But what I realized was, and I've realized this recently I was as I was watching the Prayway documentary and deciding what to do about this from here on out, was that I was not... See, it's, it's very hard because I want to hold myself accountable for the things I did um, in middle school and in high school when I was preaching at people um, and not being... Uh, careful about what I was saying at all and I know I probably hurt people that were just in the same room as me and that sucks I hate knowing that but part of me also knows that I was a literal child and I was indoctrinated from a really really young age to just believe what I was told and I want to point that out because it plays such a pivotal role in the next part of my story because if I had not been so indoctrinated to believe what I was told, maybe I would have gotten to an affirming place sooner and maybe I wouldn't have had to go through what I went through next. But that's also just not true. So that's the first part of my story. Um, most of my trauma was a result of the things that I was taught and the things that I was told growing up that I 
really internalized and then used to interpret my new situation. So at this stage in the story, little 18-year-old Mac is about to head off to college. Um, very confused, very, very little sleep, super depressed, and not really wanting to be here anymore. It was really, really tough. So my message today, before I wrap this up, because it's been 20 minutes, is if you grew up in a fundamentalist background, then no one really has to spell out to you um, why what you are can't exist, why what you are is wrong. You just sort of pick it up. No one has to blatantly tell you you're an abomination and you're going to hell. You just know, right? And a lot of places will say that that's not their fault because they didn't say that. And I don't know that I was ever blatantly told that gay people were going to hell. I don't know that I was ever told that. I don't remember it if I was. But I just knew. I just picked it up along the way. And that is, is what is so dangerous about not affirming but so-called loving people is the fact that they don't have to say it. But if they believe it, you know, and you can feel it, and you fill in the gaps. And that's what's so dangerous about it, because um, that's the whole first part of my story is no one ever had to say it out loud. I picked it up through the whispered tones and the, well, that just seems really disgusting and I don't understand and you and why would you want to work with those people and all of that stuff. I picked it up, and as a little queer kid who didn't know what to call myself yet, I internalized it, and it caused a lot of trauma. So that's my story for today. Next week I will continue on with what happened after I got to college. Spoiler alert, I didn't stop being queer. Um, <laughs> and where the more organized form of reparative therapy began. Fun, fun. So thank you for joining me. Um, I hope you'll join me next week for more. Um, yeah, my name is Mac, and this has been Master of a Few. Have a brilliant day. Bye.